The series is entitled Energy Boost. All of us need an energy boost. All of us are at sometimes at a moment we need that boost to get over a hump. And I, I have a subtitle to this, Recovering Desire, Restoring Hopes. I'm going to talk today about restoring hopes. When Denise and I were in the early days and we planted this church, we had little babies. When we started the church, we had a, a two-month-old and a three-year-old. And in the early days of planting this church, I, I, I just, I just got to say, we were poor. We put everything we could into uh, planting the church. And, and I, 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 was, I was a full-time pastor with, with less than part-time pay. Denise worked full-time. And we were just, we were struggling in those early days. I mean, we never paid anything forward in those days. We just hoped to pay everything back. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Thank God in those days for Taco Bell, they had 49-cent tacos on Sunday. We could go out and take our daughters to Taco Bell and get 49-cent tacos, and that's how we could afford to go out to eat because most of the time, we couldn't afford to go out to eat, so go out to eat. So Denise would go down to KFC and just lick other people's fingers. I mean, we were, we were poor. We we just couldn't afford to go out and and into a restaurant and get something to eat. At that time, with these little kids, meager income, there was a lady. She's in heaven now. She is a saint. Thank God for Mildred Cannon. You've never met her, but she was a saint. Mildred Cannon came over to her house one day, and she brought boxes of clothes for our girls to wear. These were the clothes that her granddaughters, and she had several of them, and as every granddaughter outgrew them, and they added to the collection, she just washed and put them in a box, and one day... Mildred Cannon came over and brought us boxes of clothes for our girls to wear. And it was a gift from heaven because we couldn't afford new clothes. It came at the right time. Now, there were all kinds of dresses and socks and ironing outfits. And it was there now. These were hand-me-downs, but we weren't too good for hand-me-downs. Some of the clothes were been washed a few times so they were slightly faded there's a few of them that had a had a stain in a spot that after washing couldn't come out but it was still fine to wear there were some of the dresses that the lace or the frill on it had just had a little shown a little bit of wear but that was all right they were still good and we were so appreciative to have all of these clothes so our daughters could wear again we just, we couldn't afford clothes. In the early days in the church, we had this lady in the church. I, I, I'll call her Sister Dragon, okay? <laughs> Sister Dragon. She had a, you ever met somebody that could say good morning and make you mad? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Sister Dragon had a habit she would see Denise at church on Sundays 
and she would belittle our girls to her, their mom. She would make statements like this to Denise. Can't you dress those kids any better than this? I mean, did you even wash that before you better? That's so out of style. That's faded. Can't you do a little better job of dressing those, dressing those girls up? And the, she had no idea we couldn't afford new clothes. And we were so thankful for the clothes that, that Mildred Cannon had given us. But this would make Denise so upset. That, can you imagine somebody just walking up and insulting your kids to you and how they were? Our, our, we were just so appreciative of what we had. And I would tell Denise, Denise, just, just stay sweet. Just stay sweet. Maybe one of these days when it comes to water baptism, I'll get her in the tank. And <laughs> I'll quote the New Testament when she's underwater. I, may, I, I, I don't know. God, God. Have you lost hope? I want to talk to people about restoring hope today. I entitled the message SOS. SOS means save our souls. And sometimes you can be in the moment where you're going through the routine and everything on the surface looks right, but your soul is crushed and your soul is wounded. And inside you're saying, God, save me. From this pain storms come we're gonna look at a storm we're gonna look at an incident in the life of Jesus it's recorded in three of the Gospels Matthew Mark and the Gospel of John it's the account of Jesus walking on the water the disciples were in a boat and on the command and direction of Jesus he said you sail and he went up on the mountainside to pray and a storm arrested their journey and almost ended their journey. Now the two main characters we're going to examine in this are Jesus and Simon Peter. Because Peter's going to get out of the boat and for a moment he's going to walk on the water. But as it were he's going to sink and Jesus is going to rescue him. Now what's intriguing to me is Simon Peter, the man, one of the characters in this saga, will later on write two New Testament books, the epistle of 1st and 2nd Peter. 1st Peter is called by theologians the epistle of hope. Throughout 1st Peter, the recurrence of the theme and word of hope is woven all throughout that book. I ask the question rhetorically, where was it in Simon Peter's life that he grasped the idea that God could take a hopeless situation, turn it around, and restore people's hope? I want to suggest to us, it's this very incident we're going to read in the gospel account. And I think it relates to every one of us in the room. God restoring hope. With that, join me in Matthew chapter number 14, verse 22 and following. And I'm going to read the entire account because it's, it's full of nuggets and insights for us to really grasp the account and the saga, get the details. Verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. There will be times God will call you to do something you don't want to do. 
Some of us in the room, Jesus is pressing, he's insisting. He's saying, you need to do this, forgive somebody, take another step, get past this, go on. And the Bible says in the disciples, and Jesus made this disciples get into the boat to go ahead of them, and go ahead of them to the other side, and he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was alone there. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Buffeted by the waves. The word buffeted there is a word in the original language, the Greek language in the New Testament. It's translated the same word elsewhere in the New Testament as tormented. In other words, it was an excruciating moment. It was the most excruciating place it could ever be. They were at that. They, the boat was buffeted. It was, as it were, it was a tormenting, torturing experience. Verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. Shortly before dawn, that means they were all night long. All night long. Walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out three words, Lord, save me. When you don't know what else to pray, this is a good three-sentence, three-word prayer. One sentence, Lord, save me. When you don't understand and you don't know what to do, just say, Lord, save me. God will hear that prayer. Verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why do you doubt? In this account, I believe there are insights that can help us understand in moments when our hopes are being crushed. When your self-confidence is so shaken, you're saying, I won't try again. I won't believe again. I won't step out again. I will never put myself out in that. Never again will I be in that situation. The Bible says that Jesus came to them, and when they saw him immediately, they thought he was a ghost. In other words, they thought he was a devil. They didn't understand who was. They didn't discern who he was. I think there's a lesson here for us. There's times you don't understand God, but God will always stand by you. And some of us are there. Something happened in your life when you don't understand. And some of you say, God, why did you let this happen? God, why did you make this happen? Don't assign pain. He, God's not in the business of punishing you. Don't assign that. But I will tell you, when you can't understand God, God will always stand by you. And there are two thoughts I want to drop in your heart in this sharing today. The first thing I want you to see, and it's found in verse 27 through 29 and primarily verse number 29, and I'll phrase it like this. When God says come, 
there's something he wants us to become. Peter was in the boat and Jesus came by. Peter says, if it's you, Lord, bid me come. Verse 29, and Jesus said, come. Understand, when God says to us, come, there's something he wants us to become. Now, I'm going to ask the question. You answer it in your heart. How long has it been since you've taken that big leap of faith with God? How long has it been since you went beyond the normal? You went beyond the usual. That you went beyond the category. You went beyond what you normally do. You just stepped out of the boat. You went further with God than you've ever gone before. You went beyond what seems even logical or what you're beyond your comfort zone. You just took God at his word. You believe the best. You just reach for the highest and say, God, I'm going all the way with you. That big, audacious leap of faith. In every one of our lives, there's a moment when Jesus says, go further than you've ever gone before. Come. And when God says come, there's really something he wants us to become. There's something God wants to do in our lives. Come. Peter? Peter was a seasoned sailor. In fact, he meets Jesus in, in Luke chapter number 5 when Jesus calls him when he's fishing. He says, come on, go with me and be a fisher of men. He's a seasoned sailor, a seasoned sailor. He had been out on the lake before. I've been there. I've been there. Peter, Peter had, had fished on that lake many times. No doubt maybe he even knew of somebody that had drowned. Here's a seasoned sailor, and he knows if you ever get on the boat, you're going to sink. He knew that gravity. No wonder he didn't have to have a seminar on it. He didn't have to take physics. He understood the safe place to be is in the boat, and the most dangerous place to be, the most threatening place to be, is get out of the safety zone, the comfort zone, get out of the boat. But yet he says to Jesus, if it's you, bid me come. No one would normally get out of the boat. Usually you don't do that. You would never do that. God will call you to a place to do something you normally would not do that you would usually not respond to, that seems like something is illogical. It seems to go counterintuitive what you think and your comfort zone is. There are moments God calls us out of normal and calls us out of the usual. And God is saying, go further than you've ever gone before. If he calls you to come, there's something he wants you to become because there's something he's going to help, help you overcome. And for every one of us, and I'm going to use a phrase that comes from leadership. For those who are in the conversation of leadership, you're familiar with the law of the lid. The law of the lid. But the law of the lid is not just for leadership, it's for life as well. And the law of the lid says for everyone there is a lid. And in order to have total success, to maximize your life, to maximize your potential, you have to move past your lid, this barrier. And in every one of our lives there is a lid. For some people the lid is their education. 
In order to maximize their potential, they got to finish their degree. Some of you have almost finished the degree, and you sidelined it. And God is saying, get out of the boat. Go further. I put the dream in you. Finish that degree. Get your master's degree. Go further. Have Be a person of influence. The, an educational lid. For some people, it's their temperament. Have you ever met somebody? It's their temperament is their lid. They could have so much influence if it wasn't for their demeanor. Their temperament can be their lid. For some people, it's circumstances. It's their past. They, they, they think they're controlled by the past. I wasn't raised that way. I don't have the I don't understand that. I don't think I could do that. It's never happened in our family. Never happened before. That becomes their lid for every one of us. There is a lid. For Simon Peter, who was a seasoned sailor, he understood. You don't get out of the boat. God calls us beyond our lids because there's something God wants us to become. And Simon Peter had to move beyond that. I was praying with somebody the other day. And I believe their lid was the lid of intimidation. Yeah, it could be a lid. Intimidation. They said, pray with me about a job, lost a job, and I need to replace the income to provide for the family. And they had an amount in their mind, if I could just do this, or perhaps I could get a, a job, and if I have to get another part-time job in order to bring the income up, just so I can provide for me and the kids and the family. And I understood that. They, they weren't being extravagant. They weren't being selfish. There was no pride in that, just wanting to be a good provider. And I prayed this prayer. Because I wanted to speak to the law, the lid in their life. And I prayed, oh God, provide a job. And as I prayed and their heads were bowed, I said, Lord, and give them a $5,000 a year increase over what they had. Let them start with an increase. Let them start with more than they left the last job. God, show yourself strong. Become bountiful. Become abundant in their life right now. And in every one of our lives, there is a lid and we think, God can't do it for me because we look inward and not upward. There's something God wants us to become. The Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit hears our prayers and we say, this is hopeless, this is hopeless, and God, he's hopeless, and she's hopeless, and I'm hopeless, do you know in the thesaurus of the Holy Spirit, there is no word hopeless? There is no hopeless in the vocabulary of God. Anytime you pray and you describe something as hopeless, the word hopeless is underlined in red because it's not in the thesaurus of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit auto-corrects it. And he takes your hopelessness and he turns it into hope. And God is saying, get rid of the less. Don't live less in life. No place in the Bible. No place in the gospel do we hear Jesus say, oh, your leprosy is too bad. Go back to the leper colony. No place in the Bible does Jesus say, oh, you have two feet that, are, that, that can't walk. Oh, I can only cure one, one 
broken foot or one gnarled foot. You have two blinded eyes. I can only do one. I can only let you see out of one eye. I can, I can only multiply enough loaves and fishes to feed half the people. Can I tell you, God is always in the business of saying, take the lid off what you think God will do because God has something to do in your life and we limit what God can do. Get rid of the less. Some of us pray less, think less, try less, give less, receive less, dream less. We live by less. We live under a lid. And God sees you to have a one-gallon life, but you're in a one-quart jar. And God says, get out of that limitation. Number two, I want to share with you about restoring hopes. It's found in verse 31. If you'll allow me to take you there. And the point I want to make here is God sees our potential. God sees our potential. In verse 31, this is the account after Jesus says to Simon to get out of the boat and he sinks. And the Bible says in verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? God sees our potential. Now what I'm going to say is, I interpret this verse a little different than probably most of us have ever heard preached before. Stay with me. I want to show you something in Scripture that perhaps you didn't see before. But in order for me to bring you into the moment, I, I need some help here. You wonder why I had the boat. Okay, Nick, come out here, buddy. I, I'm, bringing, I'm bringing Nick. He's going he's gonna to help me illustrate this. This boat is going to represent for a moment the boat like the disciples were in. Okay, I want you to imagine there are 12 disciples in this boat. But, Nick, you're going to be Simon Peter. Okay, the, the, the saga, the drama here is, is, involves Jesus and Simon Peter. So, Nick, you're Simon Peter. Now, somebody has to be Jesus here. Now, I, I will be Jesus, okay? Some, somebody, somebody has to be Jesus, so I'll be Jesus, okay? I'll be Jesus. Jesus says, go to the other side. The disciples go, go, go get in the boat and go across the sea. Okay, it begins to move and begins to rock. I've been there before. The Lake of Galilee is 600 feet below sea level. 600 feet below sea level. The mountain peaks around Galilee are above sea level. So in a very short distance, you go from above sea level to 600 feet below sea level. A dramatic change of weather occurs here, and it, and it disturbs, and it's, it's in a canyon. It's in a low spot. So the, the, the storm comes in. It can whip the sea and turn Galilee into a churning, turbulent, stormy sea. We need some storm. Give me some storm, okay? Here's what we have. You're in the boat. There's 11 other disciples with you. You've labored all night long. 
Your arms are tight. You've worked the oars. You're exhausted. The sea is beating against the boat. The waves and the gales are splashing over. Then all of a sudden, like a cannonball, the, the gales will jump up and smite that boat, as it were, trying to take it apart. And it's spilling over there. They're bailing out water, trying to stay alive. It's a desperate situation. And the Bible says they cry out for fear. One, one version says, and the disciples cried out with deep-throated shrieks of terror, tormented by the storm. That's the condition they were in. I'll calm the storm now, okay? Can I do that? They're out there. They think they're gonna, they think they're gonna perish. And the Bible says that Jesus came walking to them on the sea. But there's something I want you to see in the Gospel of Mark. Now, what's interesting about the Gospel of Mark, the same account, the same story of Jesus walking on the sea. The Gospel of Mark was written, penned by John Mark, but was dictated to him by Simon Peter. So the Gospel of Mark is Simon Peter's version of this very event. And in Mark chapter 6, verse number 48, there is a phrase there I think we have to read to understand what happened at this moment. So let's look at Mark 6, 48. And it says that he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them shortly before dawn. He went to them walking on the lake. Notice this last phrase. He was about to pass them by. Did you ever notice that in the text? He was about to pass them by. What does that mean? They were in the boat. The storm was raging, and Jesus came walking on the water, and he was passing them. He almost passed them by, and here's what Jesus was doing. Come on, guys. You can do it. Come on. You, you can do it. You can make this. You're not going to see. Come on. Come on. Follow me. You can make it. You're not going to see. Come on. Go with me. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't, don't think God won't help you. Come on. And he was about to pass them by. And Simon Peter looked and says, Is that you, Lord? If it's you, you bid me come. And Jesus, as he was about to pass them by, turned back. You guys can do it. Come. And Simon Peter gets out of the boat. No sooner does he get out of the boat, he looks at the winds and the waves. And what does the Bible say? He, does? he begins to sink. Verse 31, Matthew, and Jesus caught him by the hand and lifted him up and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, what did you doubt? Most of us think he was correcting Simon Peter. Why did you doubt God? I don't think so. I think he was saying you never doubted me. You got out of the boat. Why did you doubt yourself? Why did you doubt yourself? I was saying, come on, you can do it. I was, come on, you can do it. You believe me. 
but you doubted yourself. Oh, you of little faith. And sometimes in life, in our storms, if I was to go across the audience, can you believe God will do anything? God will do anything. Do you believe God can heal? God can heal anything. Do you believe God can provide? God can provide. Will God do it for you? I don't know. I don't know if my faith is strong enough. I don't know if God, I know God will do it for others. I just don't know if he'll do it for me. And we doubt ourselves. And if you could see Jesus in your storm, he's doing this. Come on. You can do it. Come on. You can do it. Come on. You can make it. He's saying that to you right now. Someone has said, one ship sails east and another west by the selfsame wind that blows. It's not the gale but the set of the sail that determines where it goes. The winds of the sea, so the winds of fate as we journey along through life. It's the set of the soul that determines the goal, not the storm or the strife. Amen. Doesn't matter the storm. God can do anything, and God sees your potential, and he's saying, you can make it. We see God will pull you through if you can stand the pull. Nick, God will pull you through if you can stand the pull. Amen. Simon Peter, thank you, Nick, you can go. Simon Peter will write his epistle later. He will pen that epistle of hope. And he's going to give us a verse that we've all quoted and probably stood on it sometime. Casting all your care upon the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. Verse 7. Have you ever noticed no one ever quotes verse 6? The verse right before that. What what, what does Simon Peter say, the the verse right before? Casting all your care upon Jesus because he cares for you. Verse 6 says, and if you will grasp the mighty hand of God, he will pick you up in due season. Where do you think he got that verse from? What What do you think is the moment in the ministry and the life of Simon Peter that caused him to pin that at that particular moment? Verse number 6, if you can grasp the mighty hand of God. He will pick you up in due season and now you can cast your care upon the Lord because he cares for you. It was this moment. Here's what God is saying. You can make it. You can make it. You're going to make it. God sees your potential and he knows what you can become. I'm going to ask you across the audience, bow your heads and close your eyes. As we go into a prayer moment. There are people here in this room right now. There's a moment in your life in which your self-confidence was wounded. A moment or experience that you feel like stained you. Perhaps you feel like damaged goods. Perhaps you feel like God won't work in your life. God can't. Is there something from the past? Is there something you've gone through that has confined you? And you think it's the reason why God doesn't.
doesn't heal, God doesn't provide, God doesn't open the door, why God, and you've given God all these excuses why he couldn't and shouldn't work in your life. We do that. I want you to know God wants to heal that. God wants to heal the put down. God wants to remove from you the shadow, the haunting shadow of that past thing. You're not controlled by it. It would be Simon Peter in his first epistle that would write, you're not controlled by the dysfunction of the past. And he's going to write, but you've been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. He's going to write that epistle and he's going to say, you're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation. You can see him speaking hope and confidence in people. Why? Because at his, at his weakest moment, he grasped the hand of Jesus and Jesus picked him up. And God wants to heal you of that experience and the torment of that memory.